Hey, everyone. Hey. Hey. <clears throat> Good seeing all of you. Well, let's get started. <clears throat> um, to start, I'm going to read um, Lesson 333 for us to think about, and we'll spend a few minutes with that. <clears throat> and then we'll go into Lesson 134 uh, on forgiveness to destroy and forgiveness. So we'll be spending most of our time on forgiveness. So uh, Lesson 333, <clears throat> forgiveness ends the dream of conflict here. Conflict must be resolved. It cannot be evaded, set aside, denied, disguised, seen somewhere else, called by another name, or hidden by deceit of any kind. If it would be escaped, it must be seen exactly as it is, or it is thought to be in the reality which has been given it, and with the purpose that the mind accorded it. For only then are its defenses lifted and the truth can shine upon it as it disappears. Father, forgiveness is the light you chose to shine away all conflict and all doubt, and the light the way, and light the way for our return to you. No light but this can end our evil dream. No light but this can save the world. For this alone will never fail in anything, being your gift to your beloved son. Okay, let's come back. <clears throat> well, I want to start with our forgiveness to destroy, <clears throat> but before I do, I know that many of us have um, a relationship to the word or the process of forgiveness uh, in whatever way that was. I just want to share what my process uh, was. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I used to sit in the backyard and talk to God all the time. And um, I had friends who were Catholics, and they would share with me the most amazing things that you could get rid of your guilt, and, and you could do anything, and if you uh, go to, uh, to um, confess it, it's gone. So I said, well, that, does that mean that nobody gets to go to hell then? If, if everybody, you know, what is justice then? What, you don't get to go to hell. If everybody gets absolved of all of this, then you don't get, I was very confused. It was a very confusing thing to me about forgiveness and, and what it really meant. And then my mother um, sent all of us, of course, packing to Sunday school and, and I go and, and I saw forgiveness in action, um, which was rather interesting. Um, so for me, uh, I didn't buy into any of it. I could not, I could not see the God I knew, uh, 
didn't show up in the Bible. It didn't show up in uh, actions that I saw in, in Sunday school or the people that surrounded me. So I was always really confused until I found the, uh, the, the, uh, the non-dualistic path. So, which really clarified so much for me. But even as a young kid, it was really hard to understand forgiveness. And um, now that I know, for me anyway, the uh, path, and not all, not, not, you know, the course is my path and our path, but there are many paths to God. And I just happened to, um, it was all, I, when I found it, it was like ugh, a breath of air because I really, really resonated with me as I think it did with so many of you. So to go back to the metaphysics of it, um, when we had, uh, we decided as, as petulant children, uh, our child, that hell, we want to do something different. So we decided to, in our mind, decide to leave. So we had a tiny mad idea that there was something better that we could do uh, out there. And you, I guess searching. So it was a tiny mad idea, then uh, developed the ego, and along came the Holy Spirit along with that. And fortunately, we have a decision maker. We got to make decisions, which we forgot that we could even make a decision. But thankfully, uh, the course gives us that. We have a decision made. We can choose between the ego and the Holy Spirit. With the advent of the ego was the advent of the world. Because we felt we sinned, then developed guilt and fear. And the guilt and the fear and the sin had to go somewhere. So voila, we had world of form. In the world of form, we had bodies. And fortunately, we're able to project all of that onto the other so that we would feel sinless and guiltless and fearless. And so we thought. Um, so that's what we did. And that's what, that's what we see in the illusion. Everywhere you look is projection. Um, and there's one thing in, in that uh, Ken said, everyone in this world does things from a wrong-minded thought system. In fact, Simply taking a breath is a product of the original wrong-minded thought system of separation and need. The point is not that we should feel guilty because we breathe, but that we look at the mistake of condemning another for what we have judged as sinful. So as we uh, project out into the illusion, uh, we created quite an interesting uh, mess. And, and Wanting to go home is what the course is about. Forgiveness is the, fine, is, is the final of the curriculum. So that's, I want to take that final exam. I want the final exam of forgiveness. That's my goal. I don't know if it's going to be with this body or without this body. It doesn't matter to me. But for me, forgiveness is my final curriculum. So I did want to read a little bit about forgiveness to destroy. So I'm going to, and you don't have to turn here, but if you want to know where it is, I'm going to, um, uh, in the text 27, chapter 27, number two, I forgot to put the page number on there, 27. Page 568, the fear of healing. Is healing frightening? To many, yes. For accusation is a bar to love, and damaged bodies are accusers. They stand firmly in the way of trust and peace. 
proclaiming that the frail can have no trust and that the damaged have no grounds for peace. Who has been injured by his brother and could love and trust him still? He is attacked and will attack again. Protect him not because your damaged body shows that you must be protected from him. To forgive may be an act of charity, but not his due. He may be pitied for his guilt, but not exonerated. And if you forgive him his transgressions, you but add to all the guilt that he, is, that he has really earned. So it's really challenging to, all of that, we have the other with uh, a plethora of things do him. How do, we, how do we forgive that? Well, in Christianity, and I was gonna look it up to find out which other faiths besides Christ, Christians do this, um, uh, forgive in this way. But the, to forgive in the Christian faith is to still perpetuate sin, guilt, and fear from the course perspective. From the Christian perspective, it's all about forgiving the other because it makes you feel better. And, and that's a re forgiveness is really hard to, to do in, in, uh, in the world. It's very challenging because it means that giving up something of myself if I forgive you. So I'm going to read now um, <clears throat> in the Song of Prayer um, what uh, Jesus says about forgiveness to destroy. And what he does, he tries to identify the kinds of forgiveness to destroy. We've seen them in the world. This is uh, what uh, uh, he said, he said in, the, in, the, in the supplement. And the reason that he wrote the supplements, or he gave us the supplements, both the psychotherapy pamphlet and the Song of Prayer, is because after the course was, uh, was, was uh, published, written, um, there was just so much confusion about prayer, forgiveness. Um, and what does that really mean? Uh, what is forgiveness? What is prayer? So this is what uh, um, he said about uh, forgiveness to destroy. Forgiveness to destroy has many forms. And I'm forgiveness to destroy, and it's the first paragraph if you've got it in the back of your text, I have, there's like, I have two other of these that are different kinds of uh, supplements. So they don't have the same page numbers. So I'm sorry about that. Forgiveness to destroy has many forms, being a weapon of the world of form. Not all of them are obvious and some are carefully concealed beneath what seems like charity. Uh, the charitable thought, I'm going to forgive you. Charitable, uh, that's part of our culture. We're going to be charitable. We're going to forgive the other. Um, but still, in the course terms, we're still keeping our sin, guilt, and fear. Yet all the forms that it may seem to take have but this single goal. Their purpose is to separate and make what God created equal different. So we want to make sure that we keep our separation. Um, that's key to being in the illusion and in, in, in the world. Yet all the forms that it may seem to take have but this single goal. Oh, I said that already. A sentence four. The difference is clear in several forms where the design comparison cannot be missed, nor is it really meant to be. In the first group, uh, there are forms in which a better person deigns to stoop to have a baser one from which he 
he truly is. Forgiveness here rests on the attitude of gracious lordliness. So I am better than you. I know better. I have more information. So I'm able to forgive you for whatever I thought you did to me. And then the other form is um, those who are more humble. And still the same mindset is still in place in that we're still separated. You're still separate from me. And the separation stays in place in the world of form. Nothing happens. We're still stuck as a separated entity. And the third one, I think you probably have heard before, it's, um, it's so funny, it's the bliss ninny that, that, uh, that uh, Ken talks about. I'll read a little bit. Another form taken by forgiveness to destroy is the bliss nannyhood, the state of seeing the world as wonderful, filled with good people, doing good things. To be sure, the bliss nanny asserts everyone does something wrong once in a while, but there is such love and spirituality here, a palpable presence of God, that everything is a miraculous, albeit inscrutable part of our creator's plan. So even though they, they may think in terms of, hey, it's an illusion, so it doesn't really matter. Um, everything is good. Everything is wonderful. But still, keeping in place the same, the same static issue of separation uh, from our brothers. So that, does anybody have anything they want to say about uh, forgiveness to destroy? It's pretty straightforward. Deidre, I have a yes. I have a question. How do I get the song of prayer? I don't have that. Okay, the song of prayer is a supplement. And um, it, can you see this? This yes. is a supplement. If you don't have the third version of the course, which it would be the back of that. If not, you can order the supplements of Course in Miracles. And in the front part is the psychotherapy pamphlet. And behind that is the song of prayer. Okay. It's a, it's a beautiful piece. The Song of Prayer is beautiful. And it's about the right, the correct way to prayer according to the Course. Because um, er, unfortunately, well, there was a lot of confusion about how to pray after the Course came out. So Jesus, uh, Judith transcribed more information from Jesus around those issues. And, uh, and forgiveness to destroy was one of those. Um, because people still felt that, you know, hey, the, the course is about forgiveness. I already know how to do that. And that's not what the course is about. It's not just about, oh, I forgive you for what you did. Because it actually is a reflection of my projection. Because I projected onto you. And so, and I'm forgiving you what I projected onto you. It's the same thing. Nothing changes in that relationship. I still see myself as guilty and you as guilty. So that's if what I uh, if if I remember, I'll send Gigi the uh, link to uh, find find the song of prayer and the foundation for Course in Miracles website. It's easiest okay. easier that way than digging for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. And you'll really love it, Gigi. I, it's a, a one. It's a beautiful supplement. It's really really great. And uh, so that's forgiveness to destroy. So anybody. Anybody have anything to say about that? This is pretty straightforward. We know we know the metaphysics. We know what that is. Okay. Well, I was thinking the the term itself is pretty shocking. <laughs> I mean, you come into the. I mean, if you're brand new to the course and you haven't heard about forgiveness to destroy, that could be like now what the hell? 
I thought I was learning about forgiveness and now you're talking about forgiveness to destroy. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's the bad I, kind of forgiveness. <laughs> it is. And it's so funny because I'm sure until the supplement came out, people were just like, I know this stuff. I know this stuff. Did it with the Bible. Doing it here. You know, not the same. It's just totally, the whole metaphysics are just shot in that process. There are no metaphysics in that process. There's no, you know, it's just. Anyway. One of the, one of the, another way to describe forgiveness to destroy is, is, is about forgiveness between bodies. Like I forgive yeah. you because you did something to me. And I, you know, I, I'm either playing the martyr role or I'm playing the bliss mini role, but I, I think you actually did something. I think you committed a sin. You try, if you didn't rob me of my peace, <laughs> you were sure trying to, <laughs> and you, you're, you should pay for that. <laughs> However, I'll be nice and let you off the hook. But that kind of forgiveness is not the kind of forgiveness that Jesus is talking about. His process is like letting go of believing my brother could do something to me in the first place. Letting go of believing I'm upset for the reason I think. And then when we step back internally, you know, it becomes the real forgiveness is going inside and letting go of the belief in separation that I'm still hanging on to, but I'm not admitting I'm doing that. So uh, it's not between bodies. We start with that. And Jesus isn't telling us not to start with that. <laughs> you start where you think you're at. You start with wherever it is you're pointing the finger at, you know, don't minimize that. Don't, don't say they had a bad childhood and stuff, even if they did. So what <laughs> they still did something terrible for God's sake. <laughs> So I fess up to like that we're hanging on to this grievance, but then am I willing to see them the way Jesus does? Not as a sinner, not as somebody that could rob me of my peace. Right. And then when we step back away from that, we begin to realize, well, maybe I am throwing Jesus out the window and maybe I still am holding on to separation and all that kind of stuff. So it's just one way of looking at forgiveness to destroy. If I'm doing it between my body and somebody else's body and I stay there, I stay stuck in that and believing that's what it's about, then it becomes forgiveness to destroy. Yeah. And it never, and people are stuck and you get stuck there. Stuck. And the stuckness <laughs> is not a, not a good place to be. Stuckness is not a good place to be. <laughs> and people are, you know, and I have to say that, um, looking around people are trying to get out of the stuckness they just don't know how and it's um you know um but i see that i see the folks stuck in it and trying to find a way out i'm saying the course is the way out that's just my path our path okay so i'm going to start reading um let's see let's go to where shall i start um Let's go to page 431. Okay, 431, and I'll go to paragraph 9, sentence 3. You groped but feebly in the dust and found your brother's hand, uncertain whether to let go or to take hold on life so long forgotten. 
Strengthen your hold and raise your eyes unto your strong companion in whom the meaning of your freedom lies. It seems to be, he seemed to be crucified beside you and his holiness remained untouched and perfect. And with him beside you, you shall, you shall this day enter with him to paradise and know the peace of God. Such is my will for you and your brother and for each of you for one another and for himself. Here there is only holiness and joining without limit. For what is heaven but union, direct and perfect, perfect, and without the veil of fear upon it? Here are we one, looking with perfect gentleness upon each other and on ourselves. Here all thoughts of any separation between us become impossible. You who were a prisoner in separation are now made free in paradise. And here would I unite with you, my friend, my brother, and myself. And what that passage is talking about is um, our way home. Our way home is with, with our brother. Um, we were, we are one mind, and in separation, we are many minds. Uh, the only way we get home is through seeing our brother differently. So how do we see our brother? We see our brother, uh, we know that our brother, the forgiveness process is seeing our brother as the innocent, as I am the innocent. As I see my brother innocent, that's uh, a projection of, of, of love, of um, extension. And as a result of that is mirrored my own innocence in doing that. So it's one at a time in joining. That is the way home. Does anybody have any questions about this? this uh, passage about the yes carol i i don't have any questions but this is one of those times when i feel like i'm hearing this all for the very first time and you know light bulbs are going off i understand it intellectually but i don't think i've been practicing it that much and um yeah it feels like the first time i'm hearing this so thank you i get it i'm trying to get it as we all get it, we, you know, it, it's the way home. And, um, and I'm going to share some other passages about joining because, uh, and shared interest. That is such a huge part of, uh, of the healing. Um, so that we join, as minds are joined, we're able to, um, to go home. That's our path. And I, I want to make another one of these little paths, little pathway, little stepping stones. Because every, every tool that's in the course is a tool on the path. The ultimate being uh, forgiveness is our final curriculum, which is my curriculum. I think um, uh, Stephen, Stephen has something. I'm sorry, Stephen. Yes, I didn't see you there. Go yeah, ahead. Thank you. Uh, uh, real quickly, uh, it, he says uh, here, and then he says in the second sentence, then he says here again, and then the fourth, and then he says it again, and then he says it again. Um, this happens uh, a few times, uh, possibly several. I'm not positive about that, but whenever I see that, um, it uh, it focuses it focuses me on the on the present. Um, and uh, uh, Jesus does that a lot here, and it it reminds me uh, whatever we're talking about uh, that we have to do it now, because well, now is where eternity is. And whenever I see this here, 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 he's he's uh, he's pulling me. Um, out of the past and and getting me 
um, to to stop looking at the future so much and uh, and 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 focusing me on the present. Uh, and whenever he does that, um, it it reminds me how important that is in what we're doing here. Um, I go in all sorts of different directions, you know, uh, uh, separateness, uh, specialness, uh, forgiveness. This, but that all the only place that can happen is here now as we speak. Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that, you know, Jesus wrote that foreigner song, Feels Like the First Time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good thing. Jesus wants us to feel like this is the first time we're hearing this stuff. Because <laughs> then we're, we're in that moment. We're in this moment. We're, we're, you know, like there ain't no past. There ain't no future. It is. It's the first and only time is right now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's the best lyricist I've ever seen. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Great. Very good. Yeah, there's some beautiful passages there, here, uh, beautiful passages. And in the moment of doing the, uh, the process of one at a time, um, which is what we do, I mean, there are times when I try to, I do the bird's eye view and see the mass as innocent, which is the same, I get the same feeling of peace doing that as I do one at a time. Because the one at a time is really the work. And in that time when you're with uh, well, it can actually be somebody who's not actually in front of you. It could be somebody on Facebook, somebody on TV, because it's all an illusion anyway. So it doesn't matter who that that other is that is in front of us or in our, our purview, that we get to say, I get to see you innocent. And that is timeless. It's right here, right now. There's nothing you can't thinking about the future, you're not thinking about the past, because you're you are right here, right now. And um, the peace that comes with that is something that the course talks about the peace. Um, in, in doing the forgiveness, uh, process or just doing, seeing the other innocent, uh, however often that can occur, which hopefully, you know, is more and more as we read the course, um, there's an incredible peace that comes with that. It's just, oh, it's just incredible. It is, it, it's hard to describe. I think many of you have already experienced that, but it's something that I want more of as I do the process of forgiveness and seeing the other innocent. And I think I shared this with uh, you before in my process of forgiveness. Uh, you know, we created such junk in the world that, that uh, keeps us so busy and uh, just going this way and that, and there's just so much thrown at us. So it's hard to see the other as the innocent. So I've, cre I've created, there's a screen, is that we can call it the veil of forgetfulness, the veil of the the uh, shield of oblivion, it got whatever, but there is a shield there. And on that shield are all the judgments I made, other people have made, some people have called them that, and I go, oh yeah, that's right. There's all these judgments on that shield, but that's not the person. Behind that shield is that innocent being. When I hone in on that and I move that wall, it's so easy for me to, to see who they really are. Even some of the most evil people we've got running around on the planet right now, and that's you know, that's challenging. They, you know, the hurt, the pain, the stuff that we see, and we see it consistently on, on media and on Facebook. The pain is just seems to be rising. It's unbearable. And you look at that and you go, wow. But once we move all of the labels and the stuff that's there, you look on the innocent. That's, that's now. That's, that's the work. And to get to that point with that peace is, uh, and we can do that over and over and over and over, eventually in time, whatever that time is, you know, we'll be back to one mind. 
And that's the goal, to be back to one mind. We left, we separated, thought we had a really great idea, and all it is is just utter chaos. <laughs> and it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So I'm wanting, I'm wanting to get my curriculum going here. So that, uh, that, that image of groping around in the dust, like you're, you're, you're at the, yeah. you're a bottom feeder, right? And you, I, I know there's help here somewhere. I can't see it, but I'll feel around. To, oh, there's the hand. You know, I grabbed this hand. Don't let go now, Jesus says. Hang on. <laughs> right? and, and strengthen your hold on that hand and raise your eyes up and look at your brother. I mean, that's, that's like lifting of the veil stuff. <laughs> I mean, it that's is. Quite and an image. That's, groping in the dust is what we have now. It's so clear <laughs> out there. We're groping in the dust. So many people are. All the separated beings in their classrooms are groping in the dust. And um, we have the ability to um, start that path home, not only for ourselves, but the other. And, it, and one of the things I, I also uh, wanna make sure that um, we understand is that uh, the cause of doing all of this, the effect is the chaos, the ugliness. And also in the, the, the effect of, of forgiveness is that we are joined as minds, but that doesn't mean the other mind no, recognizes it. Now the other who we did the forgiveness process may not even know it, may still be the same individual doing the same thing over and over and over. It does not matter. It only takes one mind, the mind that's doing the work to, do, to see the innocence. So, um, and you know, I don't know if we planted a seed. I don't even know if, if there is an effect. The effect long-term is that we're going home. We're removing the barriers to love. That's the goal. Okay, so I want to do another, another um, I think I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the um, Song of Prayer. I'm going to read a paragraph there. And I'll read it slowly. Not everybody has a book. It is. It's Forgiveness for Salvation in the Song of Prayer. And I'm going to read the fifth paragraph. What should I do for him, your holy son, should be the only thing you ever ask when help is needed and forgiveness sought. The form the seeking takes you need not judge. And let it not be you who sets the form in which forgiveness comes to save God's son. The light of Christ in him is his release. And it is this that answers to his call. And his call is a call for love and for me, the call of love is the call to see me sinless, to see me innocent. That's for me, the call of love. I want you to see me innocent. I want you to see me sinless. Forgive him as the Christ decides you should and be his eyes through which you look on him and speak for him as well. He knows the need, the question and the answer. He will say exactly what to do in words that you can understand and you can also use. Do not confuse his function with your own. He is the answer and you are the one who hears. 
There's that story that Ken tells a lot about. Helen Chuckman was going to speak to some, I think it was a young lady. Lady was going to have some kind of issue she wanted to talk to Helen about. And Helen was like, went to Jesus and asked, asked him, you know, the obvious question we all ask him, what, what should I tell her? <laughs> what, what do you want me to say to her? And, and he said, what this paragraph says, he said, don't ask me what to say to her. Don't ask me about form what to do, what not to do. Ask me rather, help, help, ask me to help you see her without judgment. Help right. you see her the way I see her without judgment. I see the Christ in her. And, and then whatever comes out of that will be fine. <laughs> if you say something, fine. If you don't say something, fine. Um, but just that, it's the, it's letting go of judging her is the healing our healing certainly my healing but it's her healing too in that moment i'll know that i'll i'll, I'll realize that because what was sick <laughs> was me hanging on to judging her what was sick was me believing she was different than me what was sick is me not seeing her the way jesus does so if i if i let go of that then whatever happens is going to be great <laughs> i mean it'll be good <laughs> yeah Let's let's say, Tim, that you live with a alcoholic who drinks quite a bit because he doesn't feel very good about himself, and you know that you're sad about that because he has great potential, and uh, you you, you kind of sit there watching him, you know, almost destroy himself by being ineffective. How do you avoid seeing separation there? Oh, my answer to that would be, um, unfortunately, that's the classroom that he's in. That doesn't mean he, he is still an innocent, sinless child of God, period. And so the behavior that is happening is just the behavior. You can still see him as sinless. You can still see him as the innocent child of God. It doesn't mean that you, you I mean, if you, is a possibility to, advise, help, support, that's fine. But it, the work is seeing him sinless child of God. That is our work. I mean, in the level of form, we can do what we can do. And one of the challenges, I mean, all of us have had alcoholics in the family. We've worked with them, we've had them in the family, and it's, a, it's challenging. It's a, that disease is like, it's like drug abuse. It's very challenging. Um, many times there's absolutely nothing we can do. Uh, we can, you know, I, I always say, I'm here for you if you need help, if you need to talk to me, someone to talk to. But ultimately, it's, you know, it's their classroom. But that doesn't stop me from seeing them who they really are. My dad, I was an interesting story. My father was an alcoholic, and uh, I pretty much wrote him off when I was about 10 or so. He was like a non-entity in my life. And later on, uh, many decades later, because uh, there's really nothing we could do. My mother left him and we left. But I never really healed that relationship. I never, I just kind of discounted it as not a part of me. And I kept him, that separation, I kept it for decades and decades. And it wasn't until I was working on my healing, I went to a hypnotherapist. And my father died at that point. And so... But it doesn't matter whether it's in form or not form. It, healing doesn't matter. They could be here or not be here. Um, 
And so during that process, I realized that part of my healing was seeing him heal, healed. I didn't have to forgive him in the sense of, I forgive you because you're a bad dad or you're an alcoholic or any of that. I saw him as healed because that was just the behavior of him. Who he really is, is an innocent. He's a child of God. He's an innocent child of God. And the behavior was something that was part of the, this morass of form and the, and the, the challenges and the situations that people get into, which is part of their classroom. And many times we can, we can assist because in the world of form, we are helpers. We can be helpers, but recognizing, still recognizing as helpers, the metaphysics of everything. So even though I'm doing the work, I have to go back to the metaphysics, realizing that I can be helper here, but I still have to remember the metaphysics of knowing who that person is really. So that's my answer. You got something different, Tim? Well, yeah, no, basically that just um, asked, I mean, I can't see him not as separate without help. I can't see him that way. And I certainly can't see anybody that way. I can't see myself as not separated without help. So same, same thing goes for anybody that's causing seeming serious issues like that. Um, to see a, a brother like that who's in that kind of shape, especially if I'm living with him, you know, I need help to see them that way. I need to ask for help to see them that way as, as a sinless son of God. And then what to do with them, you go to a 12-step meeting and you ask a recovery alcoholic what you should do with them, they'll probably say, throw his butt out. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> they're, gonna, they're not going to be big on you, <laughs> you know, enhancing his addiction and, and his, you know, his alcoholic behavior. I mean, you know, and certainly being a recovering addict myself, I, I look back at it and I think my mother should have thrown me out. <laughs> Behaviorally, she probably should have just, you know, laid down the law. <laughs> but I, I know, I know, you know, recovering families who did not do that. They didn't ask the alcoholic to leave. And they seem fine. So I don't know how people do it. <laughs> Once again, it's not about behavior. It's about, am I asking my you know, higher power? Am I asking Jesus to help me see them the way he does? And then out of that, I'll, hopefully I'll know what to do or not do. Actually, in the case that I'm referring to, this person uh, is actually much easier to live with when he's drinking. <laughs> because he's, there is that. <laughs> he's so introverted that he's happy. And, and you can talk with him and freely and enjoy him. When he's not drinking, he feels so self-conscious he can't really do much. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a different approach, you know. Most and then you want him to drink. Please drink. <laughs> Let me buy you a drink. <laughs> so, I can, so I can talk to you. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's why a lot of people smoke weed, too. It gets rid of anxiety and, yeah. But, but we're full of anxiety. I mean... I've got anxiety. Everybody's got anxiety. So we're always, you know, we're always looking for a way out. And the way out actually is, is the course. It's a lot more work than picking up, you know, smoking a joint or whatever. But hey, you know, we, we do what we have to do. And in the, in the can't, I can't judge anyone in, in the world of form because it's such a mess. Everybody's trying to figure out how they can survive the mess in the world of form. 
All I can do, my only responsibility outside of helping when I can, because that's a part of what my, I've always done as a business, I mean, as, as my career, is to uh, help when I can. I'm still doing that. But it doesn't mean that I don't see them differently. Um, try not to see them as separate. It's, I can tell you it's made, made my life so much happier and easier. There's so much more peace in that. Um, even though I see the chaos, there's so much more peace in that. There's just, I'm just really grateful. Okay, so I'm gonna go to the psychotherapy pamphlet and read a couple of passages. Let's see, I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to read a passage out of uh, the psychotherapy pamphlet number seven, the ideal patient therapist relationship. And it's not long. Oh, it, we mean it is. Yeah, actually it's two paragraphs. About two paragraphs. Roughly, what, what page is that roughly? Well, I'm in the brown book. I mean, in the green book. In the green book, it's 32. And, um, I, and I don't know what it is in the third edition. Is that don't have that one. You said it was it, the it was, ideal patient therapist thing? Yeah, number seven, yes. Yeah, and this one, is, it's on page 16 in here. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of those out there floating around with different page numbers and different, uh, okay, so I'm gonna read uh, paragraph seven, a sentence six. He does not see the Christ in him who calls. What answer can he give to one who seems to be a stranger, alien to the truth and poor in wisdom, without the God who must be given him? Behold your God in him, for what you see will be your answer with a capital A. Think about, think what the joining of two brothers really means, and then forget the world and all its little triumphs and its dreams of death. The same are one and nothing now can be remembered of the world of guilt. The room becomes a temple and the street a, tr a stream of stars that brushes lightly past all sickly dreams. Healing is done for what is perfect, what is perfect needs no healing and what remains to be forgiven where where there is no sin. Let me read that last sentence again. Healing is done. For what is perfect needs no healing. And what remains to be forgiven where there is no sin. So uh, essentially it's, we are, are, we are, once we join with our brothers, um, essentially is saying that, uh, this, <laughs> I love this, the room becomes a temple, the street, a stream of stars that brushes lightly past all sickly dreams. We live in an illusion of sickly dreams. The only way out of the illusion of sickly dreams is to join with our brother who calls to us. Our brother calls to us. And the stranger, alien to the truth and poor in wisdom, without the God who must be given him, so it doesn't matter what's going on with the stranger. It could be alien to the truth, poor in wisdom. It doesn't really matter. 
Our responsibility is to um, see the innocence uh, uh, of our brother. And I'm also going to read a little bit from, let's see, it's called, it's numbered in the psychotherapy pamphlet, it's number two, place of religion, number nine. I wish I had real pages to give you guys. Place of religion, paragraph nine. I'm actually going to read, uh, I think I'm going to start at four. I mean, uh, let's see, I'm going to start at, where shall I start? Okay, I'm going to start with uh, paragraph eight, sentence three. In here, it's page eight <laughs> in this one. Okay, this is page something. 14 in the green book. So it's, in well, again, it's, it's page seven. Number Number two, place of religion in psychotherapy. And I'm going to start in paragraph, no, paragraph seven. Where am I going to start? Oops, let me see here. Nine, nine to one to five. Okay, I'm going to start at eight, sentence three. Only one thing. The same requirement salvation asks of everyone. Each one must share one goal with someone else, and in doing so, lose all sense of separate interests. Only by doing this is it possible to transcend the narrow boundaries the ego would oppose upon the self. Only by doing this can teacher and pupil, therapist and patient, you and I, accept atonement and learn to give it as it was received. Communion is impossible alone. No one who stands apart can receive Christ's vision. It is held out to him, but he cannot hold out his hand to receive it. Let him be still and recognize his brother's need is his own. Again, it's shared interest. The, the, brother, uh, the need of the brother is the same need that I have. The need to see each other is innocent. And let him then meet his brother's need as his and see that they are met as one, for such they are. So again, uh, Jesus is saying the same thing. Uh, joining with one another is shared interest uh, is key for forgiveness. Any, any thoughts or before I go on reading? We're going to go back to the text now. So uh, we're going to go to page, in the text, page 569. And it is uh, uh, number, numerical number two, the fear of healing in chapter 27. And I'm going to start at paragraph three, sentence six. For no one in whom true forgiveness rests can suffer. He holds not the proof of sin before his brother's eyes. And thus, 
he must have overlooked it and removed it from his own. Forgiveness cannot be for one and not the other. Who forgives is healed, and in his healing lies the proof that he is truly pardoned and retains no trace of condemnation that he still would hold against himself or any living things. Forgiveness is not real unless it brings a healing to your brother and to yourself. You must attest his sins have no effect on you to demonstrate they are not real. How else could he be guiltless? And how could his innocence be justified unless his sins have no effect to warrant guilt? Sins are beyond forgiveness just because they would entail effects that cannot be undone and overlooked entirely. In their undoing, in, in their undoing doing, lies the proof that they are merely errors. Let yourself be healed that you may be forgiving, offering salvation to your brother and to yourself. Again and again and again in the text, it's saying the same thing. Um, sins, are, sins aren't real. They're, they're beyond forgiveness because they don't exist. They're still an illusion. So our, our, our task is to forgive our brother. Together, we are forgiven. When, uh, when Jesus uses the word overlook, especially if you're new to the Course, it takes a while to realize he's not saying, just kind of ignore what they did and look somewhere else. If you think of an inter overlook in terms of an overlook, especially on the chart, you're rising up almost geographically, at least in terms of the chart, you're rising up back in your awareness to your mind and you're overlooking the situation from that place with Jesus, realizing you and Jesus and your brother are all the same. You're all sinless. So it's an overlook in that sense. You're rising above above it all, and you're looking back at it, realizing what you thought happened didn't happen. So it's not overlook where you kind of ignore it, and, <laughs> and, and it's kind of like a bliss in anything, actually. <laughs> but it's overlook in the sense that you rise above it, and you look down, and you see, oh, this, this what I thought was real wasn't real. It takes on a whole different feel with overlook, like overlook on a mountain. You want to get up to that overlook on the mountain, looking down on everything <laughs> and see what's really going on. <laughs> yeah. And there is such peace in that, too. Bruce wanted to say something, I, I think. Uh, Who did? Bruce? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I actually live on a street called Overlook Drive, so I get reminded of that frequently. <laughs> the, other, the other metaphor <laughs> that, that I like is uh, th those magic eye posters. Um, that when you when you look at those, you just see a bunch of random dots or shapes. Uh, if you remember those, uh, it came out a number mm -hmm. of years ago. Um, but when you kind of look past or beyond, you're still there's still the same photons hitting your retina, but you're 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 processing them differently. In other words, with a different thought system, uh, metaphorically. So I like to think that as sort of like looking through and, and through and beyond. You still still the, the data is still the same that that reaches you know you. <laughs> the machine, but the, the two thought systems see you know interpret radically different um, with, with the ego interpreting as a separate stuff, whereas you know there's separate dots and the jumble of unrelated shapes. But then the the magic eye posters, the stereograms as they're called, um, assemble those into a, co a coherent wholeness 
that you know you you suddenly get the picture <laughs> so to speak and uh so anyway i think that's kind of a cool metaphor so i i try to remember that when i when i remember oh, trying to overlook something and realize i i need holy spirit's help to overlook it so i guess that's helpful that's great and that is so cool i love that's a beautiful beautiful metaphor and you also i love the aha of that when i see those mm. and you go duh <laughs> I got He's it. like, look at that. I didn't know that was there. <laughs> look at that. I got it. I finally got it. Okay. I think Steven, Steven's got something. Uh, uh, yeah, I just want to say how much I appreciate uh, what all three of y'all said. Uh, and Tim, what you said about, uh, about the way you described overlook, I've never looked at it that way. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, but but I, went to, I went to in my mind above the battleground, and I never saw that. As, as reflecting upon forgiveness. But just now I realized that's really all you're looking at it anytime, anyway. Uh, that, you know, that's, the, that's kind of the end result or the, or the whole ball of wax of being, above the, of, of being above the battleground. The battleground is unforgiveness. Uh, and I really appreciate you saying that because uh, after this, I'm gonna go reread that section and, uh, mm. and, and uh, you know, insert the forgiveness aspect into it and it's really going to help me. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And I love that. I love that vantage point. It just is, it changes the perspective totally when you're able to, to look to kind of the bird's eye view and, uh, and see it differently that way. It's, it's a totally different perspective and it's, uh, it's pretty, it gives me chills sometimes. <laughs> okay. So let's go to let's see what time is it? Okay. I'm gonna, the last part is gonna be page uh, 639 in the text. And it's in just, it's number uh, six, justification for forgiveness in the chapter 30. And I'm gonna read uh, paragraph four, uh, sentence four. I'm gonna start at sentence four, paragraph four on page 639. No one who sees himself as guilty can avoid the fear of God, but he is saved from this dilemma if he can forgive. The mind must think of its creator as it looks upon itself. If you can see your brother's merits pardon, you have learned forgiveness. You, you have learned forgiveness is your right as much. I gotta read that again. If you can see your brother's, your brother merits pardon, you have learned forgiveness is your right as much as his nor will you think that God intends for you a fearful judgment that your brother does not merit. For it is the truth that you can merit neither more or less than he. Forgiveness recognized as merited will heal. It gives the miracle its strength to overlook illusions. This is how you learn that you must be forgiven too. There can be no appearances they cannot be overlooked. Well, there's over a lot of overlooked here. <laughs> For if there were, it would be necessary first, there be some sin that stands beyond forgiveness. There would be an error that is more than a mistake, a special form of error that remains unchangeable, eternal, and beyond correction or escape. And we know that that's, none of that is true. Uh, there is no error. 
There would be one mistake that had the power to undo creation and to make a world that would replace it and destroy the will of God. Only if this were possible, would there be some appearances that could withstand the miracle and not be healed by it. Um, I'm going to go uh, to the next page, uh, paragraph 10, and I'll, I'll end with this. Look on your brother, uh, paragraph 10, next page, 640. Look on your brother with this hope in you, and you will understand he could not make an error that could change the truth in him. It is not difficult to overlook mistakes that have been given no effects. But what you see as having power to make an idol of the Son of God you will not pardon, for he has become to you a graven image and a sign of death. Is this your savior? Yes, he is, our, he is my savior. Is his father wrong about his son? No. Or have you been deceived in him who has been given you to heal for your salvation and deliverance? Uh, our, our vision, using Christ's vision, um, and seeing our brother is the way home. We see the innocence in our brother. We uh, realize that the illusion is just that illusion. All the things that are in it are um, will not affect the, vision, the Christ vision and seeing our son, our, our brothers, the other as our innocent self. So that's all I've got today. Any questions, any comments on any of this? I just realized it's gonna be pretty crowded on that overlook. Thank God you don't have to, you know, practice social distancing on that one. <laughs> we, can, we can all be together on the overlook. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, thank you all. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thank, thank you, Nidra. Take care.